Welcome to day four of Black History Bootcamp, Girl Trek's live walking podcast hosted by Girl Trek co-founders, myself, Vanessa, who's currently walking in Washington, D.C., and my partner in crime who's on the line walking in Accra, Ghana. Are you there, Morgan? I hear your mic. Who was that, Morgan? Do you know? Do you know who it was? Everybody, everybody, grandpa, uncle, aunt, auntie. I believe I die in the army. I in the army. In the army. My neighbors is literally looking at me like, this lady, stay out here in these streets acting like this. And I, I actually did a little two step stop when that song came listen. on. And my neighbor was looking at me like, ma'am, what are you doing? You got to keep both of your feet together. You got uh-huh. to jump forward, back, forward, back. Please, I exactly. die in exactly. the army of the Lord. I believe I. My mama used to have the best shout in the whole world she's have her jean skirt on and she just be like she my mom roller skates and shouts with the holy ghost the same it's cool and it's smooth <laughs> it's cool and it's smooth she keep it cool and smooth the holy, First of all, the holy ghost the holy ghost stop was a precursor to the crip walk <laughs> and somebody needs to give the church credit <laughs> because it was really your mama and the saints who uh, perfected that dance that's Listen, what i want to say we pray that for snoop dog we pray that for snoop dog that he just get the whole spear he got the spear he got it <laughs> That was James Cleveland. He is everybody's uncle. (laughs) So that was James Cleveland. I'm do Soldier that. in the Army of the Lord. I'm going to do a whole episode on James Cleveland and Aretha Franklin. You just wait. You need to, Morgan. It's coming. You it's need coming. to. It's coming. You need to do. It's coming. Look, today's episode is on the uh, Prince Hall Freemasons. And I don't know what I was thinking when I decided to choose the <laughs> Prince Hall Freemasons. Because let me tell you something, y'all. When you a secret society you don't want nobody to know your secrets which means it's extremely hard to figure out and piece together the story i feel like i hardly know anything and yet i'm really excited about today's conversation because one i was like everybody listening in needs to be a teacher along with us today morgan if i don't get the information right they're not gonna tell you if you if your uncle know more than me i'm gonna need y'all to just add us or go to the instagram post and be like no vanessa this is what it is or this or that like i i think i got it but i just don't know they ain't gonna tell you i'm telling you right now they ain't gonna tell you they already uncles has canceled you (laughs) i know it's funny because it's like it's the last question but maybe it needs to be the first question of this call because i was like do you think that the secrecy of the masons is what has made them successful and i'm just like because that really might be it. You know what I'm saying? Like they have protected their secrets so well. And we'll talk about their success for those of you who don't know it in a moment. But I really was just like, maybe this is why they're so powerful because they keep everything so tight. Well, I think, I think that's true for a lot of secret societies. I mean, I think Jesus's crew was a secret society for a little bit. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, I'm serious. I'm serious. They was hiding from persecution for a long time, but here got a connection between yesterday and today. You ready? Yep. My grandfather, Booker T. Morgan, was a Mason. And he had the Prince Hall Mason on his gravesite. It's a Booker T. Morgan, and then it got the Mason sign right there. And I was like, listen, y'all, this is all you need to know. I was predained in my, my mama's I'm going to tell you why I'm not surprised by that, Morgan. <laughs> because Booker T. Washington, 
from yesterday's great conversation that you led was also a Prince Hall Freemason. There you go. Boom. As was Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, as was W.E.B. Du Bois, as go. was Duke Ellington, as was go. Megar Evers, as was Paul Robeson, as go. was Nelson Mandela, as was the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, as was Louis Farrakhan. Martin Luther King's grandfather and grandfather, even today, right now, most of our, a lot of our religious leaders, Al Sharpton, Morgan, attorney, civil rights attorney, Benjamin Crump, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, shoot, Tom Joyner, Steve Harvey. Like there is no place where you find a powerful black man where you don't find the imprint of the Prince Hall Freemasons. They said, please cut this lie right now. Stop telling all our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Shaq is like, you can't be telling people I'm up in the Mesa's. This is Shaq is like, come on, V. I know, I know. <laughs> I actually found online a clip of, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. He does the NBA hosting along with the other crew. I can't think of those people's names because it's clearly all about Shaquille O'Neal. But he does the NBA hosting. And there's a, a little short clip of him where he has on the uh, Prince Hall Freemason ring on his right pinky finger. Mm-hmm. And like they're live on the air. And one of the other guys asked him about it. And Shaq is looking at him like, don't be trying to get me out here on national TV, breaking down the secrets of the Prince Hall Freemasons. And not jokingly, there are some people who believe that like they have shrouded their secrets, not just the Prince Hall Freemasons, but the Freemasons movement, which we'll talk about in a minute, so carefully that some people feel like that they could be in danger if they share the secrets. Mm-hmm. No, no, I know. I'm not joking. You, <laughs> I wasn't actually joking. Yeah, no, I know. Actually, the most, I know a lot of Masons. And I didn't know that my grandfather was one until I went to his gravesite. Actually, we were, we have a family plot down in Mississippi and we were, we unfortunately had lost someone else in our family. And so we were burying, I don't even remember who it was. We've lost so many people in our family, unfortunately. And, and so we were going to bury, I think it actually was my cousin, Tanya. And I was looking for my grandpa's gravesite and I went way back in the weeds. It was like overgrown with onions and all kinds of stuff down in Mississippi. And I pulled it back and I saw Booker T. Morgan. Somebody told me, you know, your grandfather's over there. I pulled it back, I saw Booker T. Morgan and uh-huh. I saw the Freemason sign. And I was like, whoa, dun, dun, dun. Wow. I was like, dun, dun, dun. Look. <laughs> I was going to start the email that went out today. If you, by the way, are joining these live conversations or listening to and hopefully walking and listening to the recordings on iTunes and Spotify, we have a companion email that sheds more light and kind of orients people to the daily discussions. You can sign up for that daily email at Black History Bootcamp. Dot com. When I was writing the email, Morgan, I was going to put the only thing I know about the Masons is that my daddy didn't qualify to get in. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. That's not funny. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my it's daddy didn't either. I'm pretty sure my daddy didn't either. Uh, listen. No. Listen, they might have both been Masons. We didn't know because that's how secret the Masons is. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that you'll... is. That's true. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> but I will say so this. So let's get into the tape. Oh, sorry. This is the last thing I was going to say because the guys at the barbershop used to be Masons, and one of and then one of our best friends' fathers was a Mason, and when he passed away, first of all, I've been to two Mason funerals. Keith's great uncle, oh. and then Carl's father was a Mason, and so. When I went to those funerals, Vanessa, I kid you not, you know how we like we like some poems and some ceremony. When I yes, tell you the Mason circumstance, yes. The Masons had them had that ritual, 
They was putting stuff on the casket. They was lined up. The men, they came walking in with them like things up high. And then they, would, they had their outfits on, them suits. They came up in there. I was like, you know, I want to give a slow yes. stand, like a slow standing ovation, but it's a funeral, so you can't do that. But it felt like that. It felt like, come on now, black men, and hold this society together. Come on now. I was exactly. just like, yes. I love it. I yes. love it. I see it right now because I watched so many videos of them over the last day. Yes. And like the pro, I'm so, like, we're discussing the Masons and we're discussing all of the people who we've been discussing over these 21 days and we'll discuss over these 21 days because we're uplifting crews. And when I saw them, Morgan, I mean, lockstep, lockstep. Listen. And you know, I was in drill team, IBPOE Elks of the Washington State. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of, it's a, it's it was the same, the same concept. Like they were lockstep. Yes. It's kind of the same. And like their shoulders and the way they move. And like, it just felt like, yes, these are the black men that the world tried to break and they were unbreakable. And the legacy of what they do today and what they have done is so powerful, especially in the context of how um, the world tries to publicly define black men. Yeah. It's like, it's such a trip that we can't tell this story more publicly in a way that would actually break down so much of that false narrative yeah. because black men since before time, certainly before they got to America, certainly. And within this movement, since the 1700s have really been the builders and contributors, literally building the cornerstones of the most important buildings in this world and in this country through this movement. And I wish we could tell that story more publicly. But you talked about their privacy being their power. Perhaps their powers are not in defiance of anyone, but they are only for themselves. You understand what I mean? Yeah. So like, mm -hmm. perhaps mm -hmm. we don't need to be defining ourselves against the narrative of, of you know, a broken black manhood, but we need to define ourselves as we are, which is powerful. And so th they start from that position. And maybe that that's their real power. Start from a position of knowing who you are instead of defending who you are. And that to me feels feels like the greatest lesson ever. <laughs> feels like the greatest lesson ever, Vanessa. So let's hear. I don't know that much yeah. about them either. Let's go. I can't wait. Oh, I love that. I like I like that framing. So let's get into it, Morgan. Today we are discussing the world's most well-known secret society. They're a source of legends and they're movement is full of rituals and symbols that no one understands. I hope I can break down some of a, that during this conversation. Before we can actually, though, get into the Prince Hall Freemasons, we have to break down the history of Freemasonry, the Freemasonry movement, and explain how it's connected to the Prince Hall Freemasons and how they were born out of that movement. The Freemasons movement, though, Morgan, never mind even the black men whose names I listed earlier, 14 U.S. presidents, you 35 them, yeah. United States Supreme Court. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'm saying before that was the Knights of Templar. This don't went all the way back to the no, Rome, I'm to the Roman to Empire. I'm about to get to that. Okay. Oh, I got that. I got it. I got, I'm about to get there. I'm going to get to the Knights of Templar, yes. But what we know on record is that 14 U.S. United States presidents, 35 United States Supreme Court justices, 17 United States senators, 32 United States military leaders, 13 signers of the Constitution, five kings of England, some of the biggest titans, Henry Ford, Walt Disney, approximately Approximately six million people around the world are a part of the Freemasons movement. They help to spread many of the values that we live by today, including democracy. 
Freemasons laid the cornerstones, literally physically laid the cornerstones for some of the most iconic structures in America. And there are many degrees and levels to the organization, Morgan, and there's many degrees and levels that maintain their secrecy. People at different levels have different levels of access to information. That's, well, that's our first lesson for this call, by the way. People <laughs> at different levels have different levels of access to information. And when I tell you that that has been one of the most powerful personal lessons that I have had in my life over like the last year is that there is levels even to the relationships in y'all lives and who should have access to what information. So let's learn from that. A lot of people believe that the Freemasons movement is an ancient mystery religion that was passed down, connected to the story of King Solomon in the Bible, preceded by the Knights of Templars, and that they themselves are governed, which they are, because there's also two rule books that you can kind of find online, and they govern themselves by a code and principles and a constitution that is not public, but that dictates how they act, their morals, their values, and everything. So, but they are careful to say that they are not a religion. And some people, by the way, believe that the Freemasons movement, Morgan, was actually behind even the American Revolution. There are some people who even think that the symbols that are embedded in some of our the most common things that we encounter each day, including our paper money, like, you know, the pyramid on the paper money. If you ask the conspiracy theorists, they're like, that is the Freemasons. That and no that, that's how it got there. There's... That's not no conspiracy. That's widely known. <laughs> The obelisk or whatever it's the called. Ac- that, that several crazy academics was- tried no. to discredit it online, no, but I'm no, with you. I'm with you no. because maybe they planted those academics so that they could try to throw us off the scent. I'm no, not saying scary, it's not true, Morgan. That scary just- old Washington monument with that blinking red eye in Washington, D.C., that's the Masons. All the stuff on the dollar bills is the Masons. Listen, don't get me in here. I'm the number one conspiracy theorist. Okay, okay. So Morgan is like, she's much. So let's talk about it, Morgan. The Freemasons are a fraternal organization, the oldest in the world. Of course, no one knows for certainty when the Freemason movement was formed, although it's a widely accepted theory that, and scholars trace it back to the stonemasons movement of the Middle Ages. So yes, there is the biblical reference, but when we talk about the Freemason name, there really was the stonemasons of the Middle Age. And the Freemasonry borrowed many practices and ideas from the stonemasons as part of their analogy of building themselves into better men by perfecting their craft. Stonemasons from the Middle Age eventually formed themselves into a guild, Morgan, and members were ranked based on their experience and knowledge, and members entered as an apprentice. Come on. So you were entry-level stonemason, essentially. Unionized. And you were indentured to your master. Yes, and then you returned over and over again for training and education. And after you completed your apprenticeship, you were promoted to different levels. So as stonemasonry then entered into the 18th century, the stonemasonry guilds swelled and there were craftsmen that began to form their own local organizations, which they started to call lodges. And the reason behind the creation of lodges, a lot of people believe, and this I really thought was powerful, is that the lodges were created to take care of the sick and the injured and the widows and the children who were left behind because stonemasonry was such a dangerous job. And a lot of the stonemasons were getting injured and so they formed these lodges and the lodges took care of their members. Soon, actually, the lodges became such an essential resource for people that men who weren't stonemasons sought membership. And the lodges started to accept them, but they called them speculative masons. And then the men who practiced stonemasonry were considered freemasons because they really had the skill of actual uh, stone workers. 
I think the president's helicopter is going over. Hold on. That's the Masons. That's it. Okay. <laughs> right, exactly. They're like, locate so, this lady. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So it was from those Freemason groups that Freemasonry as we know it emerged, and it served as a social and cultural organization for its members, and it defied a lot of the societal norms at the time, and some Esters even believe that it actually is how we started. It really reinforced the kind of upper and lower class concepts that we have today. So... One thing to know about the symbols, this is going back to the, the money, the Freemasons movement does acknowledge that they drew their symbols and tools from the Stonemasons brothers, who what they use in their daily craft. So if you look at the Freemasonry symbol, you'll actually see that it's actually a depiction of tools that you use to build things. So they have the square and the compass, which are uh, said to represent stability, balance, and judgment. They have other symbols that represent the values that emerged um, that they represent. They wear the Masonic apron, which we've all seen. That originated from stonemasons who wore aprons to protect themselves against the rock and the dirt as they were doing work. And which I actually always thought, some people say it stands for geometry, but the symbol of the G, which we see everywhere, people say stands for moral qualities. And it's the great architect of the universe, the G. And the seal shown before, they're saying the G is also though for geometry. So, and then there's so, an all-seeing eye, which so is on there, which they say represents the eye. So, so five percenters oh, told you that. I know. <laughs> Talk about another secret society, then, right. but, you know, God bless the five percenters. <laughs> and then there's an all-seeing eye on there, which they say represents the all-seeing eye of God. So the main tenets of Freemasonry are fraternity, relief, and truth, and <clears throat> they're expected to be tolerant to be forthright, to be charitable, and to be honest in their private and public relationships. So it's really a training ground, Morgan, that built up men moralistically. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, that taught them actual craft and that coordinated all of their efforts so that they could impact the broader uh, communities that they lived in. I will, I, will say, I will say a lot of those symbols are in the ancient tombs and kingdoms of Egypt and that lots of biblical yes. references of raw and and like the all-seeing eye and all of these kinds of geometric shapes and pyramids came from ancient Egypt and Kemet and even biblical mm-hmm. reference because you know Jesus grew up in Egypt little known facts <laughs> yeah little known facts Wait. when he, he escaped grew up in Egypt yes when he escaped from um, was it Egypt yes <laughs> oh that's about? how much I don't know the bible yeah <laughs> Yeah, he went to Egypt when he was escaping persecution as a baby. Mary and Joseph took him to Egypt. He grew up there. And then he came back to Jerusalem. And that's when he was teaching people in the in the temple. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying there's a yeah. lot of influence all, yeah. from then Egypt. Just, we just scratch in the surface. It's yeah. a lot of influence. And it's probably actually in more. And this is one thing I do believe when I as a takeaway from this. It's not actually even happenstance or coincidental. Mm-hmm. It's actually an intentional design and building of a movement that really, I do think, started in biblical times. So I, yes. And no, then, by the way, was whitewashed. I'm suggesting it started way before biblical times in ancient commit in, in African kingdoms of knowledge and science okay. and mathematics. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm suggesting. And that the Roman yes. Empire acquired all of our knowledge and reframed it and publicized it and, and amplified it, it as their us. own. Yeah. Well, just amplified it as their own. Yes. As like cultural appropriation. Yeah. Yes. That's a good point there. 
So from that appropriation of their own Morgan, we are going to fast forward to now the 1700s United States. And we are going to talk about the, what we now know as the Prince Hall Freemason Movement. It is the oldest recognized and continuously active organization founded by Black people in America. Uh-huh. It had its beginnings on March 6, 1775 when 15 civilians were were initiated in the Freemason Grand Lodge of Ireland, which had a lodge chartered in Boston where the 15 black men lived. The 15 black men could not get initiated into any of the American lodges because none of the American lodges would accept black men. So they petitioned this... (laughs) <laughs> they petitioned this lodge in Ireland, which had a charter organization in Boston, and they voted them in. And the lodge was led by a name by a man named Prince Hall, and he called the lodge African Lodge Number One. Come on, African Lodge Number One in Boston. The, yes, African <laughs> Lodge Number One, founded on March 6, 1775, by Prince Hall in Boston, Massachusetts. Their goal let, was let's to... Let's just remind our listeners who have been devoted listeners that that's where Christmas Addicts was at yeah. that exact same time, right? When he was the first black oh, man... Get... First black man to die yes. in the American Revolution. I'm to just, die. I'm just painting a picture of what was happening. Boston was off the chain. Ooh, it was ooh, off the ooh. chain then, so keep going. It was. Look, I just watched this speech of Fannie Lou Hamer, and she was like, and y'all didn't even tell us that Christmas Addict was the first black man to die. She was like, so what else you want to tell us? I was like, that's right, Fannie. Drop that black history book. Have knowledge on these peoples. And she was and she was speaking crazily enough at Seattle University in Seattle, which is where I'm from. It was like a wow. so. But she was dropping that knowledge on them. Yeah, it was powerful. So. The Prince Fall Freemasons, Morgan, wanted to lay the foundation for citizenship for black people, education and the improvement of conditions within their community, which is what Prince Hall was focused on. Who is Prince Hall? We, I want to give a little bit of information on him. Prince Hall was born in the British West Indies. Most people think he was born in Barbados. He migrated to Boston in his youth, but people don't know. Bullet, the, bullet. Right? Sorry. He, he migrated to Boston Rihanna, in his youth. Put it up, put, put it up for Rihanna. Look, that's sorry, look, the, sorry. West, the West. That's East, her ancestor. It is her ancestry. I think she might have voted her. They they would vote her in the queen if they. Uh, no, they they so just. Can we shout out to all of? I was just going to say that. I wanted to say shout out to all of, not genuinely all of the Caribbean countries who. I was so happy to see that when William and Kate was going to Jamaica and going to all those places, that there was visible and vocal protest against the monarchy. Not today. Not today, Prince. They was like, not today. You ain't coming. You ain't coming. We got Prince Hall. Hall. Never mind. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So Prince Hall Morgan, he came to Boston in his youth. Most people do believe he was enslaved originally. And then he became a free man, although nobody knows how, by 1770. What they do know is that he was a genius. He was self-taught. He read. He could write. He was an orator and he was a strategist. So let's talk about what was happening when Prince Hall and those 15 men founded African Lodge Number 1 Morgan, which they founded, I want you to keep this date in mind, in 1775. America and England were at odds. Things was popping off. And one month after they were initiated on April 19th, 1775 is when the American Revolution started. Alexander Prince Hamilton. Prince Hall. Put- yes, him and Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't you. Uh, we're going to. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what a musical. 
No, I love, I love that musical too. Y'all better go watch that. I have this idea that we can write a a, a, mus- a Broadway musical of Black History Bootcamp, and Let's it could be the decades, and it. then it's gonna be it's gonna be like my yeah, name is exactly. I was like this. I was like this is exactly Morgan and I's lane right here, and I think all of America would want to come see it way better than Hamilton, y'all. So stay tuned. So Morgan. So the American Revolution started on April 19, 1775. Prince Hall petitioned the American government to allow black people to serve in the military. But you know what happened? His petition for the military service was denied. Until what? Until the British government promised freedom to the black people who fought on their side. Then the American government was like, okay, maybe these 15 men can actually serve. And... Prince Hall and the 50 men served in the Medford militia and they fought. But quickly after he had enlisted in the Medford militia and fought in the American Revolution, he actually became what many people consider like one of the first prominent abolitionists. In 1777, he lobbied Massachusetts to abolish slavery. Of course, they didn't. In 1787, he petitioned Massachusetts to provide schools for black children. When he was denied that petition, he started his own school in his home and started educating people. Under his leadership, African Lodge Number 1 thrived. It was attracting black men from all over Boston who understood that they were getting in on the ground floor of doing for themselves, essentially, which is what they said, because they felt like they weren't getting any support anywhere else, which, of course, they weren't. Prince Hall remained the Grand Master of African Lodge Number 1 until he died in 1807. He was preceded by a man named Nero Prince, shout out to the Prince name, and it was in 1808 that Nero Prince, who took the Prince Hall had started two other lodges. So there was the lodge in Boston, a lodge in Providence, Rhode Island, and a lodge in Philadelphia. The next leader, Nero Prince, gathered all those lodges together, the three of them. And in 1808, representatives from the three lodge met and they organized the African Grand Lodge. And they changed the name from the African Grand Lodge to Prince Hall Grand Lodge, which is how we now have the Prince Hall Freemasons movement. Yes, there you go. something else that was going on in America, though, that lended to the growth of the Masons movement. And you know a lot about this, Morgan. Hold on. At the exact same time. Sorry, I'm singing the soundtrack to the musical. (laughs) (laughs) At the exact same time that the Freemasons were rising, it was also the rise of the black church movement. In the late 1770s, the black church movement began with the founding of the first African Baptist. Hold on, I'm about to get to African Baptist churches in South Carolina, in Georgia, and in Virginia. And then only eight years after Nero Prince organized the African Lodge to become the Prince Hall Freemasons, a man by the name of Richard Allen, who was a Prince Hall Freemason, listen to that episode, founded the AME Church in 1816. And it was the first national organization created by a black person. So the Masons' connection to the black church is really what allowed it to grow. Current leaders, like I said, who are current religious leaders even of today, Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, the Reverend Calvin Butts, they are all Freemasons, Morgan. Let me what just was tell the you, strategy, it though, ain't is, no coincidence yes. that, the, that the usher board be having on them, them aprons and be having their arm behind their it back like that. Going around collecting that and money like swaying. that. Yes, with their white shoes yeah. on. It ain't no coincidence that I'm just saying, because when I went to that first, the first AME, not the AME, but the other one, the AMEC. 
The one that Richard Allen started first and then he went to go. Y'all know what it is out there. Help us out. But that church is the first like black church in Philadelphia. It looks like a lodge. It's so ornate and beautiful and like African. It has all these beautiful like it's gorgeous. So I see how I see the connection, girl. I didn't know it, but I see it now. I see it now. And then Vanessa, you said the first black church has started in Georgia. Remember we was remember we was in Savannah and that man was (laughs) that man took us to that AME church. Do you remember? Oh, that man got the best. First of all, I, did, I retook his tour, you know, just like uh, at the end of last year. There's a man in Savannah. I'm going to get his name, y'all. He does the best. He does the only black. So just Google. He does the only black tour buses in Savannah, but he's dope. And yes, he did take us to the church. It's right there on the square that has the Haitian, the statue of the Haitian people who yeah, were Yeah, um, and it was, a, it was a part of the Underground Railroad, but that was one of the churches that you just mentioned because it was one of the first churches started there. Oh. Yeah. Look, okay. it's all coming I did together. Not put, Yep, that's the doc. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. So, Morgan, for me, I was trying to understand what was the strategy? Like, what were they focused on? How did they become so big? How did they become so prominent? And it's because most experts say that internally, the Prince Hall Freemasons, especially, focused on economic strength. And that in those lodges, they were meeting and they were deciding to establish retail stores, establish banks, establish hotels, establish newspapers, establish insurance companies. That the Prince Hall Freemasons believed that essentially economic freedom was what they could actually provide to their communities. And it's why when you look now at the prominence of who was in the Prince Hall Freemasons, it's because generationally, Morgan, they were focused on how do we educate so that we can create economic opportunity? How do we educate so within the Freemasons so that people can become their own business owners? Morgan and I I have been doing a lot of research around poverty and there's a startling statistic that first of all the wealth gap between black people and white people in this country is like five cent to the dollar for black families if you're a black family with children it's like a hundred dollars to one and that one of the only effective strategies that's worked to actually reduce the wealth gap in this country has been business ownership when you factor in business ownership the wealth gap goes from 10 to 1 to 3 to 1 and the Prince Hall Freemasons understood that math long before the statisticians came out with it is essentially what it is. One in four black people in America is living under the poverty line. That means me, you, your cousin, my cousin, one of us is living under the poverty line. You understand what I mean? Like that's unbelievable. And you know what that means for those of us who are living above the poverty line is that we are shouldering and supporting and carrying the burden of our family members and communities. And so even when we achieve or have wealth, the the wealth is distributed differently. That's what I'm saying. That's the rise of Cash App. That's the rise of GoFundMe. And it means means for the three out of four of us, we got to reach back like the Freemasons and pull our sisters and brothers up. That's what it means, too. Oh, definitely. It does. It does. does. Which is actually the which was actually my takeaway of the crew and the Freemasons, which is I was just like, it's why ultimately I was happy to study them and to share their story today, because when you think about what we are talking about, the crews that have influenced the black community. Yeah. 
I actually think at the end of these 21 days, we'll be able to look back and most experts believe there was no civil rights movement without the Freemason movement. That in fact, actually, it was the Prince Hall Freemasons who were doing that original organizing, yeah. who were doing that original strategizing that now we define as the civil rights movement. It was the Prince Hall Freemasons who were seed funding the civil rights movement through their black businesses. It was the Prince Hall Freemasons who were identifying leadership on the ground and positioning them specifically in black churches, by the way, so that they could organize. So the Prince Hall Freemasons- But it's not even theoretical. No. It's not even theoretical. If Richard Allen was the Freemasons, if Booker T. Washington was the Freemasons, if Martin Luther King Sr. and Senior Sr. were both Freemasons, I'm just saying, like, it ain't even, like, theoretical or conspiracy. These were the builders- Everybody. These are the builders of our of our society. Yeah, they're the yeah. builders of our society. And I tell you this, them, them men at the at the barbershop, as soon as they heard about Girl Check a long time ago when we started, they was like, all right, sister, but how are we going to support you? That's the first thing they asked. They like, yes. y'all doing a 5K or something? They was like, we can support something? I mean, that's the lens that they looked at it through. Economic yeah. power. How do we support you? How do we put our money where our, where our mouths are? And I appreciated it. And we didn't have nothing for them to support then. Because we're so used to not having money that we plan our lives and our come up on the free. And I'm just saying, yes. maybe we need to start to, to imagine if we had resources to pull and what would we do differently then? Imagine you had X hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. What would we then do if we were not you know, coming from deficit? Mm-hmm. So that, it's an exciting proposition for us to think about. It's just shocking to me that when they asked how they could give money to us that I didn't have, I didn't have anything to tell them. This was years ago. I got something to tell them now, but that was that was years ago. But yeah. No, it's crazy. So I have a call to action. If there's anybody listening to this yeah. who is walking in Boston, Massachusetts, it doesn't matter if you are new to boot camp. It doesn't matter if you are tried and true girl trekker or brand new or an ally. Please become our journalist, our eyes and ears on the ground. Take a walk in that historic district. See if you can find any um, homes or any um, placards that's like the old Mason stuff. And we will we will show it on our um, on our Instagram account. Just do a walking tour for us. I was going to say Prince Hall's grave is there, too. And it actually has a it says that he is, you know, that he was a founder of the Prince Alfred Mason. So if somebody could walk by and find it, I would love that, Morgan. That's a great call to action. I don't want the grave. Okay, you can do the grave too, but I'm talking about like the actual building that they was in. And then, you know, you t- you've taken that walking tour in Boston where Frederick Douglass yeah, used to be. Really and all, yeah, so just we want to show that to all of our yeah. listeners. So if anybody in Boston can just take a quick walk and just get your iPhone out, it don't got to be produced. You the journalist, you the street journalist, and we're going to be your broadcast system. So come on. Yes. So Morgan, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. By the 1900s, the Prince Hall Freemasons had a lodge operating in every state in mm-hmm. North America. They currently have 40 grand lodges, over 5,000 regular lodges, and more than 500,000 members. Wow. I love everything that I... Some more helicopters. It's like, remember, uh, when I used to live in L.A., this is for the L.A., we call them the ghetto bird. 
every single well, night nice. I couldn't sleep, I couldn't study. Like those ghetto birds would be hovering over I was staying with my auntie on 60th and Crenshaw, man. It was like they were terrorizing our neighborhood. And I was like, I can't believe that there's this many people on the run that you gotta get these helicopters out every night to hover over our asses. It's just too What bad. was that? What was that Ice Cube song? Today was a good day. Remember he was talking oh, about it was a good day. Yes. <laughs> no yeah, no helicopter searching for the bird. It's three in the morning, got the fat drink murder. Sorry, Ice Cube for butchering your song. <laughs> But I have a question about, and this is maybe even to your reach back question, because I was like, everything that they are doing is so powerful. And also black men are in crisis. And I wonder if what is a little bit of what I would call classism or elitism that is within the free, that is clearly within the Freemason movement where they are striving for like a level of black excellence. What does that mean for the regular black men on the street? And is there a way that the uh, Freemasons more than what they're doing in terms of like positioning themselves in power or creating economic opportunity? Like, should they be opening up more pathways for more black men to enter into the brotherhood? Yeah, that hasn't been my experience of the Freemasons that it has been elite. I've seen lots of working class men and like laborers who are like the men at the barbershop, like um, we have a firefighter friend, like that hasn't been my experience. And in fact, I actually think the 500,000 black men, Mm -hmm. you know, I think this is, I love this question. Mm -hmm. And I think it's part of the issue, Vanessa. The people who are succeeding can't be responsible for righting the wrong of decades and centuries of terrorism. They're like fighting against the waves of like absolute Mm -hmm. violence. And so the real question is how do we get three or four or five or six or 20 or or 30 more organizations that are fraternal, that are economic based, that are, you know, when people ask us, they used to ask us all the time, like, oh, you know, Girl Trek versus um, Black Girls Run. And we'd be like, please, first of all, those are our home girls. And second of all, there needs to be 10 more Girl Treks in order to to curb the tide of of the health crisis that Black women are facing. So please with that, please with that. You ain't coming in here with that division. And so I kind of feel like that with the Prince Masons is like, they ain't doing enough. They done been the builders of the, like they mm-hmm. do it. You know what I'm saying? They can't help it that people, that they shoot Mike Brown down in the streets of Ferguson, that they can't help. You know what I mean? And right. so, yes, I believe that they are grappling with like, how do we put our, which are limited resources? Cause trust you sure. me, they don't got the budget of the, of the military. They don't, you know, that's a message even for everybody out here. I'm trying to say you yourself got limited resources, women walking on this phone and you yourself are also going to have to audit like where you put your resources around the stuff that is struggling. I mean, I, when I tell you that if you don't be careful, you will be cash up in your life away or service in your life away or whatever. And I, so no, I, I hear that part, Morgan. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I just want to celebrate. I want to celebrate all the crews that, that they're making a way out of no way, because mm-hmm. there's just like, how do you go from no resources where you literally are enslaved? You don't even own your own body Yeah. to like owning or owning what sounds like an empire, what you just described. Yes, exactly. 500,000, 5,000 lodges, grand lodges, African-centered, like icons of industry. I mean, like what you just described is like miraculous. So I'm not saying they can't do more. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying that is a, it's a deficit mindset that I have too, Vanessa. I'm not, this is not a read, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying that black people be like, you done made it, do more. And you're like, well, dang. Yeah. No, it's not. It's 
not a read because it was genuinely a question where I was pondering. Uh, you know what I'm yeah. saying? That's why I was. That's why I'm. I genuinely am asking yeah. because I actually believe, like you believe, I actually think that we have to get strategic, and which is what they did, and that you have to look at things at scale. And somebody has to understand that Thurgood Marshall getting on the Supreme Court opened up the doors for so much legislation that helped so many other Black people in so many ways. That that is an impact that we can't even qualify. That happens with Girl Trek all of the time. When people be like, give us your annual report. How much women doing this? How much people doing this? And we were like, well, this is what's on the road, but let us tell you about the bigger ecosystem of how we're changing lives, of what happens when a black woman decides that she's walking away from, you know, abusive relationship or walking away from a job that doesn't serve her. And then she's going to put herself in a different position. And the ripple down, trickle down effect of that is so much bigger than the million women who we count on our roles or the number of women who we say are walking or the number of podcast downloads that we have or any of those numbers. Yeah. And it brings me back to yesterday's conversation about Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois, who you said both were Masons, which is fascinating because they were brothers. And it's what I was trying to explain yesterday, that they were writing letters to each other of support. So don't get it twisted. This division, this divide and conquer has been an attack of absolute antagonism to stop our progress. And so we just won't stand for it anymore. But what it reminds me of is we actually need both of those brothers, right? So Booker T. Washington can build Mm -hmm. the Tuskegee, which is like, you know, this beautiful speedboat, right? But if he's going against these monumental waves because there's been a dam that directs all the water our way, which is injustice, which is institutional violence and racism, then somebody need to also go fix the dam, the policy, the systems, which is what the civil rights movement and W.E.B. Du Bois was was saying. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so so I think we need both and all of the above. So the Prince Hall's Masons had, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. They got the best boots in the game. They got the best boots in the game, but they still can't fight you know, ratchet police officers. They just can't, they can't fight that. These kinds of systems. Yeah. Yeah, no. I have one last question for you, Morgan. And it's about, for all of the information that you find online about the Prince Hall Freemasons, there is, of course, um, an equal amount of like conspiracy theorists out there. And specifically religious people who believe somehow that like their symbolism, their rituals are like anti the church, even though I just explained to you the entire church connection. But I'm just wondering if, what do you think about people like rituals and the rituals that we have outside of the church and how we have, cause I was like, we do that so much to people. We judge them or create this division based on things that just feel so unnecessarily and they're just symbolic. And I was just like, do you think that the Freemasons somehow were being disrespectful of the Christian religion of which many of them actually also came from? Because I read a lot about that and a lot of people were saying that, well, all that and so much of their stuff was going up against the scriptures. And I was just like, but really? So I don't know. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Yeah. I think it's fear, Vanessa. 17 very sophisticated things went through my head when you're asking the question, and it all boiled back down to people just are scared. And Mm -hmm. like what you don't quite understand and things that are shrouded in secrecy and, you know, like rituals have been used against us, too. Not just some like magical rituals, but rituals of like coming to get like the skull and bones coming together to keep us out. You understand what I mean? Like, or the ritual of the clan, right? The ritual of the clan coming around the cross. So I'm just saying like, there's also just a fear of the unknown. And then, and then we come from a continent where 
we understood the supernatural. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we understood and were able to master it in order to fight back. And so we have a healthy respect right. for the other side of things. <laughs> so, so I wouldn't also dismiss people's fear of, mm -hmm. of ritual because trust you me, Girl, look. trust you me. I, look. There, there's some masons here. I done told you. I done went up to their house. They, I was like, spirit don't feel right in here. I was just like, spirit look. don't feel right in here. And they doing all kind of menagerie. <laughs> they doing all kind of stuff. I was just like, mm -mm, I don't get down like this. I'm just saying that for, I have a hard time drawing judgment against anybody, which is what I would ask the church people to do is to, the, the, the closer you look at anything, the more your judgment goes away. So like, shout out to all church people who saw today's email and didn't even want to log in because they was like, that is not of God. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you logged in anyway because you wanted to be a learner. You wanted yes. to be a learner. So like shout out to all of those people. And then I would say also, we have to have a healthy respect for what we know to be true. And when some things don't feel right to us, it ain't yes. for you. That yes. Everything ain't for everybody. Yes. So that's what I really think. And then I have a whole wonky thing about all kind of stuff about how our rituals were stripped away from us during slavery mm -hmm. and we synchronized them with the Catholic Church, which was another set of rituals, which were even scarier, in my opinion. And so now we have our rituals are a little bit confused. And so I have I have that, too. And then part also, of rituals only have as much power as you put into them. You That's know what right. I'm saying? That's like, right. That's right. It's when you were telling this story, it's like a, some people know that my mom was in jail. I think I've told you this, but she once got put into solitary confinement for like several months because she got into a fight with this woman. And when she finally was able to call home, she was telling my aunt, she was like, and my mom was like crunk. And she was just like, this woman, she had a picture of Nessa and she had to, she was doing some voodoo on her in the cell. And I saw it and my aunt was like, what the hell? She was like, <laughs> you just went in the solitary for three months and wasn't able to talk to your daughter because you thought that this lady had a picture of her. And she was like, what is the power of what you believe? That's right. Like, what is the power of what you believe? And how did you let the power of what that woman believes shake you from the power of what you believe? And I will never forget that because that's it. Like it the is power it, but of maybe your what your like, mama believed was that she needed to protect you and whip that woman down. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all I'm saying is that okay, go, okay. what you say okay, go both yes. ways. And the way you telling the story, your mama sound okay. like a hero to me. That's what I'm saying. She sound like a hero. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand um, Peggy's perspective, but I'm also saying sometimes uh, uh, no. I'm saying that there are real forces of darkness out here. This yes. is what I let's let's get real on the conversation. Yes. And I, and I know that to be true. And I, yes. And I ask God every single day to, to put a fence around me and let them arrows drop in my feet. And I'm just saying, you got to stay, you got to stay short up. Yeah. You got to stay short up. And I'm saying, so some people find comfort in communities that do ritual. They do. And it, it is a way they, they get closer to each other. It's a way they get closer to God. And I'm saying, the, so listen, the black church got more rituals than anybody in the whole Listen, I come from Church of God in Christ. We got all the rituals. We got all the rituals. You, call, you, you get in a circle, you put your arms around somebody who's filled and ridden with the whole Holy Spirit, and then they fall out, then you got to put a blanket over them, and then the milk truck is coming. Y'all, sorry. And he making I just an Austin Powers 17-point turn. Morgan. You talk there, and I'm listening, and yeah. also it's like this book here that I wanted to get out of the Little Free Library. Shout out to yeah. the Little Free Library movement. I'm on the side of the street. This man making a 17-point Austin Powers turn with this big old so that that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying Ugh, a man made a 17 point turn yesterday and hit my car and then ran off. I chased that man down the street, Morgan. Okay, <laughs> don't play with me. 
love you, sir. Can, can you stop doing that? <laughs> I keep telling you to stop doing okay. this kind of stuff. It's not okay. <laughs> and you want to talk. Oh my God. And you want to talk about Annette for beating that lady up. That's all I'm saying. The fruit I do know, not fall I know, far. I know. From that. <laughs> Oh, it's hard for me not to cuss sometimes, and I thank God for the discipline. No, no. But yeah, you're doing a great job. You're doing thank a great you, job, thank though. you. Because yeah. it'd be funnier um, when you cuss. It'd be funnier because that little joke I was about to say was funnier with a cuss word. That's all I'm saying. It was not fun. I, I done lost my words. Anyway, y'all, that's I why comedians be cussing so much. Yeah, because it'd do. be better and get right to the point, and it has an underscore on it. But yeah, y'all, I'm grateful for learning this conversation. I am too. I'm gra- and I'm grateful too. for people having pathways to find community and to find God and whatever that looks. And I am grateful for all of those men in Prince Hall's Mason, including my great grandfather Booker T. Morgan, who were pooling their resources to liberate our people. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you why, Morgan? This is so dope. How we're ending this because you didn't know when you were just listing your things of gratitude that we're going to end the call with a two minute walking meditation on gratitude because I actually felt the exact same way. And I was like, there, we have to have gratitude for where we've been and how far we've come and for what these men have done. So for the next two minutes, wherever you are walking, I just want you to create a gratitude storm with your feet. I want you to think about what was happening, what we just talked about in the 1700s. Think about what those men had to overcome. Think about what they've organized. Think about what their legacy is. Think about the men in your own life with those broad shoulders and that sway, your grandpas, your uncles, your cousins, and just have gratitude for them. And we're going to close out, Morgan, with West Angeles Church of God in Christ's Men's Choir. So it's it's a full two minutes. Just like lean into it. And do you have anything before we get into the walking meditation? No, girl, I'm already on mute. I'm, I'm, I'm making a dust storm. All right, what is all right to let's be? get it, oh, everyone. Thank you. And join us back tomorrow. Bye, y'all. For day five. Yeah, just, just listen. Just listen <laughs> and practice gratitude. We'll see you tomorrow.